Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 91 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then email questions at OneOuter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, you had a little bit of drama before we came on there. Your puppy, <laughs> your puppy brought in a dead bird. Um, so <laughs> if we can string that out for sixty minutes, uh, <laughs> good to go. We've got the show. Yeah, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I was at a concert last night, so I got, I got like five people in my house, and ooh, every everybody was drinking last night. Now they're all laying around on couches and I'm about to scream at them at seven forty five in the morning, so they better get ready for it. And then yeah, you know, my puppy decided to keep the party going by bringing in a dead bird, you know. Now it's a party, right? But yeah, it was it, it was weird because like uh poker's like really big in Costa Rica and like not that any, anybody knows who I am, but a few people know who I am, right? And once in a while, I get, like, when I'm at the concert, like, I get kind of, the, like, the vacant stare. And I, I figure that somebody who saw me, like, on a... They did, like, an expose television show here one time where they were talking about us, like, we got kicked out of the United States, right, uh, because of Black Friday, right? And uh, <coughs> they put me on that. And I, I thought, you know, that kind of raised my profile with poker players here. And I, I kind of think, uh, I, I kind of think like poker players, like when they see you out at one of these events, they're like, uh, I didn't know poker players did other things. They, they just kind of, you know, like, what are you doing at a concert? Shouldn't you be like traveling to another poker destination? Like, uh, and then they're like, oh, you're into the music. Isn't that weird? Like how he can uh be jumping around at like this concert but at the same time uh you know it, it's like they think you're always a poker player which is always super weird to me you know what i mean like but at the same time it's like it's your responsibility when you're a poker player to like go out because you keep things pretty close to the vest when you play poker and then if you do the business right as well you have to keep a lot of things to the close to the vest because you end up finding out horrible things about many of the heroes that most people have and like yeah you could pull the stealth monk and like go online and like blow them up right but that's probably gonna do you know and obviously you should if they're hurting someone right but a lot of times it's just you know the two parties have settled right so you can't you shouldn't really say it publicly right and then you know it, you're not going to have that long of a career you're going to lose people's trust if you just start lighting people up on the forums but you keep things close to the vest 
And, you know, I, I think it's kind of your responsibility to, like, go out to a concert and, like, blow your neck muscles out, like, headbanging or something. Because you, if you're not careful, you're going to be – it's going to be a poker game all the time, you know what I mean? You're just going to be up in your head constantly, and it's going to be hurting you. But, you know, I did my civic duty, and I thrashed my body for 90 minutes last night. Now uh, I feel extremely stiff today, and you might hear my voice a little raspier than normal. But, yeah, I'm good to go. And uh, how's the week been? Have you been up to anything? Any caches? Any sick? Any poker? Uh, brags? Any successes? No, I mean, uh, we did test your poker. That was really my, that was really my crowning achievement of the last week, which was. And now I told people we were going to have a hundred questions, right? Because the questions we were doing, like leading up, you know, like in the. By the way, thank you guys. I think like 700 people have seen the free webinar on YouTube. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, but uh, the the questions we were doing in the webinar, those were pretty easy, right? Uh, I mean, not like easy as in they're like easy to answer, but like easy to put together and they're easy to ask. And maybe they need like 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half to explain. So I did this thing where I was like, let's, gonna, let's have 100 questions for the final test, which seemed fine. And then, uh, well, anyway, five hours and 20 minutes later on Saturday, I'm thinking maybe this wasn't the greatest idea, right? <laughs> like this was, but at the same time, nobody, like everybody who wrote me an email was like, yeah, it was really long, but I got a ton of value out of it. And all the questions, the other thing was the questions were really like, uh, they were very deep, right? Like you had to really dig deep to figure them out. But it, I also thought it was pretty cool because, I wanted there to be, I've always been like, do you really think you could play MTTs for a living? And now I have this, like, you know, people are like, I'm fatigued after a hundred uh, questions and answers. I'm like, well, man, I, I, I have thousands of decisions a day. And a lot of times I play eight, 10 hours. So, you know, I mean, obviously it's a little different than this, but this is a really good simulator. As in, mm -hmm. if you want to, uh, if you want to like simulate playing an MTT and playing like a very complex MTT uh, for several hours, you're not going to do better than my webinar. And I think in the future, we're going to make it a little more concise, like 50, 60 questions, but just have like more data about each one. And, you know, it, I, I think uh, really build up on the info that comes from each one and see if we can deliver it a little faster. And, uh, I think that's a good idea because it's kind of like a meal, you know what I mean? If somebody, if you buy a meal and somebody gives you too little food, you're pissed off, right? But at the same time, if somebody gives you a plate that's like the size of a 30-inch monitor and it's completely full of food, you're going to feel pretty dumb if you can't bring the food home, you know what I mean? I said at the beginning, like, don't be afraid to take a doggy bag if you want to bow out of this webinar. Like, we understand you will yeah. get the, you will get the videos. But no, I was like, I was thinking of that. I was at a I was at the Amorphous show uh, last night at Peppers, and it was like really good, like uh, uh, Scandinavian metal band. And everybody in my group, like, I had to kind of like force them to go, right? I was like, guys, we got to go to this concert. And they're like, I don't really know these guys. I'm like, guys, we have to see them. These guys are the best, right? And like they ended up having the time in their lives. And I realized part of that was because the set was 90 minutes, right? We went and saw another band like a month ago and it was like three hours plus. 
right? And by the end, you're just like, kill me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, get me. I mean, especially when you're standing, you know what I mean? For like, that, that's the problem with battle rap events, right? Like, they were like, oh my God, these people are yelling so much during the battles. I'm like, well, they've been standing for eight and a half hours, dude. Like, they're not feeling that good right now. Like, but yeah, anyway, ranting about all sorts of things. Good, good. And uh, any favorite horror films you've been watching? Anything? <laughs> Having a life and going outside. Nah, I, I did watch a third-rate horror film. I watched uh, Firewalk with me. Have you ever seen that? Firewalk? With, it's, uh, yeah. it's Twin, did you ever watch Twin Peaks, the TV show? No, no. Oh, yeah, it's essentially, it's supposed to be a prequel to Twin Peaks, but it ends up, like, answering absolutely everything about the series. Like, Twin, All right. Twin Peaks you need to see just for, like, history's sake. Because it was the first, like, it, the show's, like, from the early 90s, like, 1992, but it's, uh, it's like, uh, it, it's like one of the current television shows, because there's, like, one storyline for the entire, uh, thing, and then it, like, goes off the rails completely at one yeah, point. Yeah, I remember <laughs> seeing some clips of it and stuff, there's, like, weird shit dream sequences going yeah, it's on it's bizarre dude it's yeah. really it's one of those things like you kind of it's really bizarre for me because like it's from around seattle and like mm -hmm. the town they're in like it, it's like the town's like i i spent a lot of time and like i i went and played football and i you know like i i was just around a lot of the time like just kind of up in the woods uh kind of weird like uh american pageantry weird looking I mean, just, like, very, like, DECA, I, I mean, just, like, very, like, 50s avant-garde uh, mm -hmm. America, right? And uh, it, they, they set a just really bizarre storylines in there. Well, anyway, this uh, prequel kind of, like, wraps up the whole series, right? I didn't know, know it existed. I finished Twin Peaks, like, years ago, and it has a really ambiguous ending, because they decided not to renew it for a third season, right? And, uh, yeah, I was watching that, and it's like, it's kind of horror. It, it, it's kind of horror because it's kind of, uh, it, it, it's a different, it, it's not exactly like a murder mystery. Like, there's other things going on, and it's, uh, uh, it, it, it has, like, like, when you see it, it's, like, very creepy, right? Like, there's definitely... Yeah, yeah, the dream sequences are like, ugh, like, what is yeah. going on, right? And then there's also, I, I don't know, it's weird because they have, like, the dream sequences that seem, like, satanic, fr uh, like, frankly, a lot of stuff. And then at the same time, like, the guy, the main guy will walk into, like, a diner and, like, be having a donut and a coffee and will be expand he'll be expounding on, like, why it is important for you to have a coffee and a donut during the day. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, it's weird because it reminds me of all my family from Alaska, you know what I mean, like, hmm. and where they're from. And I'm like, God, this is weird, right? Like, but, yeah, that was a, a, uh, the movie, the movie, you know, obviously in the TV series, they couldn't cuss, they couldn't, I mean, this is back in the early 90s. You couldn't even see, say, like, bitch, you know, on, yeah. on TV, right? And like they're uh like they just let fly on the movie like it was just you know like nude scenes every twenty minutes like gory like kill scenes and so like I was like whoa like this is messed up right yeah. and, then, and I was watching it with uh 
all my friends in the studio, right? And we were, uh, uh, it, it, it like, it gets warm in different parts of San Jose. And, that, you know, you have like seven people packed into the same room, right? Like, it got hot, right? And then, it, you know, and it, it has some, like, connotations as to, like, these people are going to hell. And then it's like, it's getting hot right there. And you're like, oh, boy. Like, this is, uh, this is, this is deep. But, yeah, it was good. It was a good time. It was kind of cool to see the series wrapped up. In that yeah, I'll need, I'll need to check out Twin Peaks because it's one of these things that I didn't watch. or I maybe watched like one episode or something. Right. And then uh, I thought, yeah, weird. But yeah, I'll need to go back to that because I remember seeing it on like one of these 100 Greatest Shows or whatever and that was on it. And I remember thinking, the, oh, I need to check that out. The show know? where they reveal the killer uh, because it starts with a, you know, a young woman gets murdered, right? And the prequel is all about her last days, right? So you follow her and you see what's actually happening. Uh, so that was the kind of the thing that bummed me out was my buddies were, my buddies a huge, uh, what was it? Uh, they, I just cut, his name's not David Fincher. Uh, who's the guy who puts it, who makes these movies? Hold on. Uh, they, David, hold on. Sorry, I know this is great podcasting. <laughs> David, uh, uh, what was it? David, Twin Peaks director. Hold on. The worst thing is like I should be in a full body cast right now. Uh, let's see, David, David, David Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, yeah. But like David Lynch, it, my, one of my buddies is a huge David Lynch fan, and I, I'm like, you would like the only American director who thinks he's European, right? And then just because I like to give them crap about being hipsters all the time, but like. He has one TV show, and it's Twin Peaks, right? And my buddy's a huge David Lynch fan. And, like, we're watching that movie, and I was like, dude, I don't think you should be watching this movie. This answers everything <laughs> in the series. <laughs> but he, he just powered through it. But, like, yeah, when they reveal the killer in, uh, in that television show, it's, like, one of the creepiest scenes, right? Yeah. Just, just to see it, like... For, is kind of like uh, that movie It Follows, you know what I mean? Like, just to see it in kind of the filmography tense that we grew up with kind of brings up a nostalgic, like, bleh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, to it, and then, then the show goes complete, the show keeps going after that, which is weird, and then for, like, ten episodes, it goes to nothing, and then they decide to wrap up season two with someone, like, figuring out what propelled the guy to do it and that's when it gets really bizarre again i think kind of cool and then the the yeah the the movie wraps it up nicely but yeah you watch anything yeah you watch uh what have i watched i've been doing that peaky blinders still um i'm on season two of that so yeah that's good but to be honest it's a bit it, it lacks like the depth and interest of like a boardwalk empire or you know right. is some of the characters not a little bit lightweight for me so it's nothing really but it's it's good it's it's okay yeah. but it's not it's not it's not great i wouldn't say it was a great yeah great i can't show, I, you know? I just i'm so much more into movies man i just i love movies man don't you love movies like so much oh yeah yeah television? it's just that that's it done you know once yeah you're exactly done, it's just like, done yeah. i like i like old 80s 90s movies too because, oh yeah you can't beat them it's yeah. like because there's still like folklore like what, remember we were talking about event horizon apparently yeah apparently event horizon like the first 
like five iterations of it were NC-17, right? Like no children under 17. It was just so, it was so disturbing, right? And like these days there would be like a released version of like unrated, right? Yeah. And uh, stuff like that. Like back then, like there was just a VHS tape of the one event horizon that was just too gory, right? And like somebody lost it, right? So it's it's out there somewhere, but nobody knows where it is, right? So there's like <laughs> it's like yeah, that kind of stuff I dig. But yeah, all right, I guess we should get into the questions. Yeah, let's get into the questions because uh, I wonder how many people actually don't give a shit about any hot. I, I don't. I don't care. It's my. <laughs> you gotta pay. Yeah, you gotta pay two hundred and ten dollars an hour typically to hear what you're gonna hear here. So yeah, you're gonna, that's it. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> gonna put up with it. You're gonna yeah. get this work. All right, let's okay. go. Okay, let's go. The first question is from Mika. And Mika has sent in an email and he sent in, um, where are we? It's quite a long email, but he's added on two bonus questions. So we'll keep them for, <laughs> we'll keep them for next show, Mika, and we will just deal with the, the main chunk of what you're saying. And it is, hi, Barry and Alex, and greetings from Finland. Thank you for making this excellent show and keeping it free for us listeners. It's really appreciated. I have a question that might very well fill a whole podcast if discussed thoroughly. Well, we're not going to do that. But, um, <laughs> I might. But, <laughs> yeah, Alex might. But I'm confident, I'm confident you guys can give a much satisfactory answer in a much shorter time frame. I have a short story which relates to my question. I won a ticket from a satellite to a 25 euro 5k guaranteed re-entry tournament a while ago. I was carved there at first, all flops missed me, and I soon found myself uh, all but last 66th place after 90 minutes of play or so. I knew I wasn't going to re-enter, so I was in trouble. Somehow I heard myself uh, sort of say, don't give up, you've bounced back before. Then I shoved my first ace-king of the tournament, and it all went well from there. Eventually I found myself at final table in the chip lead but busted out third with uh, Queen-10 off, all in pre-flop from the button, running into Ace-Jack off. Question, now what? I decided to invest all my winnings, 700 euros, in my poker education, and I'm wondering how to best go about doing that. I I knew I had to learn how to study properly, Mm -hmm. so I got the one-hour-a-day webinar while it was on sale. I know I don't yet have all the needed tools the webinar teaches how to use, but I'm already in the process of acquiring my copy of Holdem Manager 2 by Get It Free Deal, but it's going slow, now at 44% after 8 weeks. My bankroll at the site is smaller than the rake I've paid so far, so I'm treading water, I suck at cash. I fear that if I deposit more and start playing bigger, I'll quickly lose my nest egg. Um, and then he has, this is my list of things I've got or I'm going to get. He has one hour a day. I got the white Pisagnos right as a bonus. I'm going to get that's a check race fool. You flat too much. Join ACR and get dissecting the donk bent as a bonus. But he's going. He's hitting you, Alex. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, he's moving. He's moving. Why Ape Styles is right, and he's added it all up. Note Caddy, uh, Assassin Alhad, Flopzilla, Cardrunner EV. Um, I I won't do ICMizer for N months poker something. The total so far is $605, but I'm afraid that I won't be nearly the end of it. What would you add to this list? Never mind the cost. I believe after studying with this material for a while, I'll be able to fund some coaching and further study material with my winnings. If not, I'll face the facts and give up. 
Uh, well, uh, I, I wouldn't give up. I mean, there's uh, a lot of a lot of people. Like, uh, obviously, this doesn't have to be your case. But the first two years I played poker, uh, I don't believe I made, if I made money, I didn't really hold on to it. It was kind of weird because I was, you know, I was working other jobs and stuff like that. I never made a significant amount of money. And then uh, the third year, I, I didn't really do that well, but. Uh, the fourth year I went pro and then I was, a, you know, I, like at the tail end of the third year, I had like a huge score. Then the fourth year I did, I did uh, pretty poorly the first six months, my first year as a pro. And, you know, I thought I was going to have to quit and go back to work security. And then, you know, things started slowly building up from there. I would say, I, I don't, I don't know what your, your bankroll, it sounds like $700. That's the whole kid and caboodle. That's what he said. I think I read that. Yeah, I read that. So $700. Now, I wouldn't invest that all in your training, right? I I think you do have to play some cards. And uh, I I think, you know, as much as I'd love to just, like, take your money and be like, all right, there you go, keep your 90 bucks, (laughs) you know what I mean, or whatever you got there left. Uh, I I would generally – Why Ace Tells is Right is, like, a really good webinar. I I think that's a – like, this is what I'd do if I had your $600. Okay, so I'm 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 new, uh, I, I'm new. I'm getting into poker, so I got I got six hundred dollars right now. What what am I gonna buy? So uh, first things uh, uh, first things first. I'll tell you what, man. I'll uh, uh, I think what you need. Let's see. He got master poker with one hour a day. By the way, guys, construction zone still going on around here. So uh, welcome to my life. You know, my mangled corpse woke up this morning to this, if y'all can hear it. But, uh, I, like, I'll tell you what, I'll, for like 160 I'll get you, uh, I'll get you Y8 Styles is right, and I'll get you, that's a check race fool, I'm dissecting the donk bed. I'll, I'll give you both, uh, no, excuse me, not 160, 180. And that's, uh, that's 50% off of each one. So just because you're starting out, I'll give you a little help. And if you guys, by the way, if you guys want that deal, go ahead and write me, at, write, write into me, right? Or if I gave you, a, if I didn't give you that deal on something similar, write it, and we'll figure out how we can apply, uh, how we can apply that to something else, right? So like 180, and that will give you, like, that'll give you the algorithm to begin. Actually, and then you should also, you should get you flat too much as well, and then I'll give you half off on that. And then th- that's going to be for 210, you're going to have like this really comprehensive training course of like, it will be like I was over your shoulder for 20 hours, right? And that's going to leave you about 400 bucks. Now, what those are going to leave you, uh, what those are going to teach you is saving your big lines as much as possible and also three betting people, which is, these are your big things right now. Let me give you your minimum effective dose right here. Don't be opening in an early position with just big cards. Start folding your ace-10, your ace-jack offsuit uh, a lot more, right? Start folding your broadways, even from middle position. Uh, don't open your suited one-gappers. Don't open your jack-nine suited. Back in the day, you could do that. These days, people fight too much, right? And uh, when you open from early position, if you're stealing with anything, you're stealing with your suited connectors. When you're in position... Now, though, you've got to be a lot more aggressive because back in the day, if you three-bet a king-queen offsuit, nobody really knew why you would do that because king-jack, king-ten, king-nine suited would just fold and ace-queen would jam. 
So you would get a guy to play pretty perfectly. These days, everybody acts like, acts like their car is going to be dropped off a cliff if they full do a three bet. So they, they'll call you with a king jack, the king 10, the king nine. And uh, so that, that uh, you flat too much is going to help you right there uh, with the three bet semi-bluffing. It's going to show you all the ways that can work, all the stats uh, that will help you know how to do that. And then we're also going to uh, – that, that's a big deal about how to play in position. You also want to play with your big cards, right? Uh, so, like, if you have your big cards in position, you three-bet. you got to look for the statistics. You want a low fold to three-bet, low four-bet, high fold to C-bet, or high fold to turn-bet, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, you get all that. And, uh, uh, and the other thing is saving your big blinds, right? Because if you fold every single hand from under the gun, if there's no ante, you will not lose anything, even if you fold aces, right? If you fold every single hand from the big blind, you're going to lose 100 big blinds per 100. Now, that's pretty significant. So if you can save a lot of them with annies on PokerStars high-stakes tournaments, I can save 85 out of 100 big blinds, right? And I'm telling you right now, that's not because I have some innate reading ability. It's because I've worked my ass off, and all of my work is in why Ape Styles is right, dissecting the dog bet, and you've, uh, bleh, that's a check raise fool. So if you check those out, that those are really big. Like uh, Ape Styles is really good at teaching, like how you should be flatting, how uh, what the mathematics are behind that, uh, whether wh what you should be rejamming, what you should be looking into. He also gives you a lot of like post flop uh, tips that are extremely helpful. And then uh, dissecting the dog bet in that the check raise fool discuss two of the most underused plays right now. Now when you go in. Uh, when you go play, right, so you'll have all this stuff. You should watch all of it in, like, one week. You should, like, just watch all of it to, like, get a go out of it, right? And then every day you play, you should watch for, like, 15 minutes and make yourself a little bit of an assignment, right? Like, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on that. The beginning assignments I would give yourself is, like, don't open those hands I told you from early position, uh, do not flat with big cards in position. Uh, do not flat with like your king queen off, your king jack offsuit, stuff like that. Three bet that or fold that. Don't flat with your like suited gaffers. Three bet or fold them. Right. There are some times you can flat them, but let's stay away from that right now. Right. And uh, you you want to be three betting or folding in position, and then from the big blind, whenever somebody two x's you. Uh, 2x is your big blind. I want you to be calling with a lot of your hands from the big blind. I want you fighting back uh, at these guys. If you can start with that, I think that's going to create. Uh, I, I think that's going to create some good situations. So you got like $450 left, uh, $500 from your initial investments. Uh, I would go ahead. Uh, <coughs> I would go ahead. By the way. Uh, hello Finland. I was watching a Finnish band last night, so it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a coincidence. Like, yeah, not every day you see a band from Finland in San Jose, Costa Rica. They, uh, by the way, my favorite part of the whole concert—they never talk to the audience, right? It's just like, hello, how are you, and blah blah blah. And then they're like, how are you doing? You can see the guy like look to the side and like read something. San Jose, Costa Rica. It's like, it's like, man. <laughs> 
I bet people do this crap all the time. Like, man, you must get to travel the whole world. And he's like, man, I just went to a venue outside of a Costco in San Jose, Costa Rica, like in the deadest part of the city. We drove yeah. in, we're driving out, you know, that's it. Like, that's pretty much it, man, and we're done. But, yeah, uh, essentially, uh, so you got, like, your 450 480 bucks left. So I'd be playing a lot of $5, $10 tournaments, right? Uh, there's a lot of tournaments out there now across – uh, America's Card Room has a lot of good low stakes tournaments. Eight eight eight, party poker, Titan, and I would just be you know pick your optimal number of pick your optimal number of tables, and boot those up, and then if you lose one, add another, and if you're getting deep in something you want to focus, just continue from that right, and uh, make sure you get more out of the hours. I talk to myself all the time. If you watch like tennis pros. They're constantly talking to themselves because there's nobody out there who can coach them, right? The only person that can coach them is themselves. So try asking yourself, this is going to be one of my next webinars, by the way. Uh, we're going to be talking about like how you can coach yourself at the table, right? Like, because I realize now, like I always tell people, like, try asking yourself this, try asking yourself that. And people have like a really hard time doing it, right? And I, I realize like we got to discuss like what, you know, how you can talk yourself through some hands, right? And, uh, it, but yeah, like every time somebody calls you, go, I think he's calling with this, this, and this hand. And when the next card comes out, I think this card affects this. It, like, one of my biggest examples always is like, the board comes like king of hearts, eight of spades, seven of spades. Uh, guy see that's the opponent calls. Nine times out of ten, the turns the jack of clubs, the guy check gives up. If you were actually talking to yourself, you would never do that. Because if you think, oh, excuse me, I, I did the wrong board. Uh, King of Hearts, like five, six of spades, turns the jack of, uh, jack of clubs, right? The, if you think about it, like this just missed everything. It missed his flush rod, missed his eight, seven. Uh, it's an overcard to a five. It's an overcard to a six. The only thing it doesn't beat is a king, which was probably never folding to you anyway. So, like, why wouldn't you double barrel, right? But a lot of people just don't think through it like that. And I, I think po poker is, like, really difficult because people get into these grooves, you know what I mean? They get into this, I've always done it this way, so I'm going to do it that way, right? Or, like, and uh, you got to be challenging yourself constantly, which is really difficult, you know what I mean? Uh, nobody wants to, like, if you told Roger Federer that he had to keep adjusting his backhand because the competition kept getting better, I think he'd probably get pretty testy, right? But... That's kind of how poker is because you're never going to be this physical phenom that takes over the game, right? Even Phil Ivey, who's supposed to be the anomaly, will tell you that, right? And uh, they used to call him the Tiger Woods of poker on the WPT. And he told, he told the announcer, like, you got to cut that out, man. Like, I'm not like, you know, I could never dominate this game the way Tiger, Wood, Tiger Woods dominates golf or, you know, at one point did. But uh, Jesus, man. There's a there's this article in Sports Illustrated. It was a picture of Tiger Woods like fist pumping like at the Masters, right? And it was just big letters like "What happened?" Right? And then I was like, "Damn!" Like, and, and yeah, the article was pretty brutal, just discussing his fall from grace. But yeah, uh, anyway, off topic as per usual. Uh, but it's okay, it's all related. Yeah, it is. A, it is all related. I'm giving you all further resources. You can checking out Finnish metal bands and. Uh, Sports Illustrated. And, uh, yeah, so I would uh, 
you know, max out your tables. And I would like talk to yourself. If you can get some really cheap, like uh, recording software uh, for your, I, I, I assume you're pretty young. Uh, I don't know why I just get that feeling. And uh, it, uh, when you're young, you got some free time, which is good. And if you're ever, not, if you're ever feeling tired, like you don't want to play, like you just record yourself while you're making key decisions uh, or maybe just record your whole session sometimes and just watch and see what you see. You know what I mean? If you think about it, like I always ask this, I asked a student of mine yesterday, he was from Costa Rica. I was like, you like tennis, right? And he was like, yeah, I like tennis. I was like, what's the difference between, you know, he was like, I, I've gotten a few lessons, right? I was like, what's the difference between an hour with your instructor as opposed to, you know, 200 hours just playing the game. He was like, it's night and day. I learned way more in a hundred hour, uh, in one hour with my instructor, actually sometimes it's five minutes. Right. And I was like, you can do the same thing for yourself in poker. You can watch over your hands, but you got to ask yourself questions. That was part of why I did test your poker. I, I asked myself a lot of questions and a lot of hypotheticals. And I always, try to change the situation. Like, what if he's C-betting this much? What if he's checking back these hands? What if the board actually came out like this, right? And people find, like, lessons with me or hand history discussions, like, really exhausting. But I think that's how I took myself from being, like, a very mediocre player and, like, very much behind the pack. Uh, when I was, like, 19 years old, there was nobody discussing me when it came to, like, great player. If anything, every, if you ever see me, like, disgust, like the words were like nut peddler and like, uh, you know, like it, it might, it might be surprising to you guys, but I used to be a really tight player and like, I refused to play Sunday tournaments because that's when the pros played and the buy-ins were too big. Right. And I was playing, I was playing like 8 PM to five in the morning because everybody was drunk and it was like shooting fish in a barrel with a bazooka. You know, it was just really easy. A bazooka that Barry got in Latvia uh, to fire oh, yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, you listen back to episodes, I don't know, about 40 ago to get the reference. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah we, were talking, we were talking about firing firearms, but yeah, man. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I think you got to start as a bit of a junk man. You know what I mean? And by the way, I think in a lot of times in Scandinavia, you guys have, since you guys are a little more advanced than the United States when it comes to this, uh, I, by the way, I'm not a scanning nut hugger. You just, eight, you guys tend to be way better when it comes to online gambling. Uh, you know, and uh, you guys end up having these local, like they have these networks like in Sweden where it's like, would you like to play the lottery? Yeah. Would you like to play poker? Yeah. So all the people have no idea what they're doing, right? And it's like, I would just, pre but for some reason, these kids want to play on PokerStars because the software is so much better. It's like, I'm, bro, I mean, you got to remember, you're playing on the internet for money, all right? There's something fundamentally screwed up about that. Like, there, it, that is not something that's normal, all right? So, like, if you get somebody who normalizes it, that puts people in their element, you know what I mean? That makes people feel comfortable and, like, play better. If you keep it in this, like, context of, like, we are playing over a phone line for money, right, that goes into some other account that we have to take down from the sky, people feel really weird about it, and they p feel like it's monopoly money, and they play really screwy and bad, right? It is still like science fiction to me, man, like how I, you know, I was like 19 years old, and I would be in a coffee shop, 
in South Korea, like playing poker on like this Russian poker site and like getting money out of Russia to feed me an American in South Korea. Like, I mean, isn't that kind of weird when you think about it? You know what I mean? That's pretty bizarre to like bring down, you know what I mean? And in a coffee shop, like people would be like, how did you get here? Right. You studying? Nope. Uh, you you working here? No. What the hell are you doing in South Korea? I'm like, dude, I can live wherever I want. Like anywhere I want. Like take, take I could go to Kazakhstan and I could play. I could go to uh I could probably go to Afghanistan and find an apartment and play online poker. Yeah, that, I I hear it's lovely this time. I'm very, it's very nice. They love, <laughs> they love Americans. Like what do they what do they call it? The burial ground of empires. Uh Afghanistan. But yeah, I mean but like I mean obviously that's an extreme uh that's an extreme example but like you live anywhere you know what i mean and then you want to be on those networks that still make people feel out of their element you know what i mean so that means like the software uh isn't just bang up perfect you know what i mean and it are you going to find like a player base that just plays for fun right like in america's card room everybody comes you know there's sports betting and stuff like that uh right off the site and uh you can like spin the little slot machine to see if you can get your way into a tournament and stuff like that. And that, that attracts a lot of people just playing for fun, you know, like playing for like, like with their 50, bucks. And then those fields are really nice. You know, those are um, poker stars. Their biggest problem right now is they don't know how to do that. It was such a serious poker site for so long. And they're taking these like drastic steps to try to make it easier uh, for their populace because, you know, why would they pay people to like gut their fish, you know what I mean? And get them out. Right. So they, they took a very extreme option, which is we're just going to cut off the VIP program seven months in and we're going to fend all of you and hopefully never play here again. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, if you want to play for a site like that, I, I mean, it's still the best for some reason. That's all the only site most pros want to play on. And I, I mean, I know the software is nice, but it's like, Man, I'm not playing a, I'm not, I'm not playing Command and Conquer. I'm playing for money. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, where's the most money? And then, yeah, I would play on these like little, uh, you know, I play on these little sites. I play as many hours as you feel, and I want you to learn as much as possible, right? Keep the buy-ins. You want the buy-ins low enough so that, you know, when you win something, it still feels amazing. But if you lose, it's all right. And uh, keep stay in school, stay with your job, all that stuff. Don't quit to become a professional poker player until you have more than enough money to do so. And then uh, uh, I assume you're going to get out of Finland when you do that because everybody does because of the tax rates. But, yeah, anyway, uh, good luck to you, man. Okay, and we'll go straight into the next question. It is from Greg. Hi, Alex. I was listening to your interview on Smart Poker Study and I was very impressed with your level of dedication. I had a question for you, if you don't mind. I played professionally MTTs for two years, but ended up going back into the corporate environment. I was a winning player and spent a lot of time studying, but I didn't like living like a bum. Now I can study and get paid. Anyway, I'm taking bigger shots at bigger tournaments, trying to score that 100k takedown. Eventually, I want to buy additional rental properties, and not off to work, but just play poker cash games like 1, 2, 2, 5, 5, 10, PLO, and PLO, sorry. Uh, I study every day, play tournaments, and use Poker Tracker to track leaks and fix them. I've won a few tournaments on Bovada with big fields, so I'm feeling good about my MTT game, 
But when I go into a live event like a HPT, I, I seem to fall short. Any recommendations, advice would be appreciated, Greg. It's uh, I like your I like the cut of your jib, kid. No, I mean I'm I'm glad you went and got a job. This is a pretty. Uh, one thing is like you don't have to live like a bum as an MTT pro, right? That's not like a prerequisite. There's no contract you sign that says you must live like a bum and wear <laughs> Nike shorts nine days out of ten and, you know, let your stubble, like, grow out for four days before you go outside with your Titleist hat and your baggy sweatshirt and your uh, shorts and your Nike sandals with socks on. Uh, there's, no, there's no, not saying that's you. I'm just, I'm addressing the populace. Uh, you, you can have other interests. You can have other things you do. This is another reason uh, for a while I was playing cash games. Is it was more flexible when I was younger. You know what I mean? You can play and then, like, you can go off to do the things you enjoy, right? Or you can have, like, you know, four days. You just, you know, you play, like, 12 hours a day, four days. That's, a, that's 40, 48 hours, right? That's a pretty solid week, right? Especially if you have the stamina to play, like, really solid poker, but then you have three days off, you know what I mean? And then, uh, you can do, you know, you can be active on those three days. You don't have to like sit, sit around and like, you know, uh, watch like the Wayans brothers comedies on like TV while you smoke pot. Like you, you can go out and do other things. Like that's, a, I mean, I, I, I know I'm revisiting this from the beginning, but have you ever noticed they're always so shocked when like poker players do other things? Like, like it's it's kind of like they they think you're this like worthless human being that can't do anything else, and it's like, oh yeah, he went back to school to get like if I hear like he went back to school to get his philosophy major, I go like that checks out because he's never gonna get a job in anything, right? But like if you hear like, oh yeah, the guy went back and he became a police officer, or the guy, uh, it, like how many poker players they always do this thing like I'm gonna write the great American novel and it's like how many times when you hear a poker player say that it's like yeah right yeah. <laughs> like you wake up at seven in the morning uh, to get writing done before you play poker you know it's like no oh no 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 that's not gonna you're you're gonna wake up at eleven thirty rip a bong load eat some Captain Crunch and go back to MTTs right but there's always I don't know it's it's weird to me they just like when I tell people. Like, even poker players, like, when I do the, you know, like, you know, like, oh, you don't smoke? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't like smoking. And it's like, oh, wait, what are you, oh, man, we're going to go to this, like, big uh, restaurant. I don't want to go. It's not worth $1,000 to me or whatever it is, right? I'm not going to play your stupid little uh, credit card roulette, right? I hate that game. Right? And they're like, well, what do you do? I'm like, I drink coffee and I read, right? Those are the things I love, right? And the great thing about my life is those are really cheap. Right. Like, I don't really need a whole lot of them. But like the reaction people get when they're like, you read like they think poker players don't read. Right. Like they're just and that's like that's that says a lot about your profession when those are the stereotypes. You know what I mean? And then uh, anyway, sorry, that just blew my mind thinking about that yesterday while I was thrashing my head around. Uh, let's see. I would uh, for the live game. I'm actually working on a webinar about live poker right now. Because there's quite a few adjustments. I think, you know, obviously I don't play as much live as I used to, but I was a total online kid and actually was really a failure at live poker. Like I tried to make it, like back in the day, I would, uh, 
you know, it'd be like a Friday. We would get out of school at 2 p.m. and we would be in a game at 4 p.m., me and my boy. And we would, uh, we like literally would not stop till like Monday morning, you know, and at like Monday 3 in the morning, we'd drive, you know, we'd drive to school and get in at like 5, right? And, you know, we would catch a couple hours of sleep, little patches here and there. But, like, we were at four or five different games at night, right? That was, like, the heyday of the poker boom, right? And But I sucked. I wasn't good, right? I was just learning. And I, I learned a lot, right? And uh, my friend was way better at, like, uh, my friend, he, he could, like, learn a game, like, in two minutes, right? So they would do this thing. You know, we would always be in these dealers' choice games, and I would just get my ass kicked. He would just figure it out like it was nothing, right? But, yeah, I learned a lot in that time. Uh, and then, but I was always, like, I got online, I started making money hand over fist, right? And I was, like, I just was an online dude. That was all I did. And then at some point, I was, like, I got to figure out this live poker thing. And that's when I final tabled the biggest European event in history at that time. Uh, and the next EPT I played, I damn near final tabled. I've had several runs in PCAs. I've won live tournaments and all that. And uh, really, I think uh, the biggest problem people have when they play live poker is they're fra- afraid of being embarrassed. Okay, that, that's, there's a lot of plays we'll do online because nobody can see us and there's no like real embarrassment factor uh, that people just do not want to do live because everybody's going to... This is kind of something that drives me nuts. It's like, you know, a guy makes like a bad play at the table, right? And he's clearly like a new player and everybody does this thing where it's like, I want to make fun of him, but uh, I'm going to do this thing like I'm in eighth grade where I'm just going to snicker with the guy next to me about him, right? And it's like, well, dude, he notices that and that feels terrible, right? So of course he's never going to come back, right? Well, you know, I love looking stupid at the poker table because... My goal in life is to look stupid at the poker table, right? Like, if I check-raise bluff on a jack-7-4 board, you know, like jack-diamond, seven-diamonds, like four spades, right? If a guy jams on me, I always go, like, got in pocket tens. I wanted to see where I was at. I love it when people snicker and go, like, (laughs) well, look at this guy, right? The worst thing is when somebody goes, you're assassinato. There's no way that's what you had because now – uh, you know, because I can say I wanted to see where I was at, but I'm going to call you next time, right? Because then in their heads, it's like, well, he check raises value hand and he sounds pissed off. Maybe I can't do this the next time, right? But like when somebody goes like, oh, this guy knows better. This guy's a professional poker player. That's the worst thing in the world, right? Because now I can't do that play the next time, right? And then, uh, so I want you to realize like, you know, play it up, right? I don't know, uh, like, uh, you're in a corporate environment, so I assume you got some dorky clothes, right? I would, I would put on – now, look, imagine what your coworkers would look like if they went to Vegas. I want you to dress like that, all right? They probably wouldn't show up in their sweatpants and blah, 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 right? Uh, one thing I did with one of my uh, students, uh, one of my horses back in the day, is I was like, you look like an online pro. That's not good, right? And so we took him to – we went to the outlet of what was the outlet of it was the guest outlet, right? Because we had to pick like a designer brand that wasn't that expensive. And I was like, here's the clearance rack. And I was like, I was paying all of his bills at the time. Right. I was like, here's the clearance rack. You will buy everything from this and the uglier, the better. Right. I want you to look like a trust fund baby. 
And sure enough, you know, he got the ugliest damn shoes you've ever seen, right? And uh, all it was like $5 shoes and like $10. Actually, it wasn't that bad looking, right? It was just kind of not when a poker player would wear it, right? And he got like kind of the Western like cowboy shirt with the lapels and stuff. I was like, oh, golden, right? Now we got to gel your hair so you look like a total douche, right? And then uh, he did that. And I was like, just ask really basic questions every time you're in a hand, right? Because then there kind of turns into this like, oh, poor baby thing, right? At the table. And like now nobody's going to make fun of you because they think you're a total fish, right? And uh, that's a little more comfortable for a lot of people. And you kind of get the thrill of knowing you're hustling on that. And by the way, this is, this is a hustling game. This is a dignified hustling game, right? Don't ever forget that. And those guys would gut you if they had the chance too. So you go ahead. You don't feel guilty about it. You play to it. Don't use one poker term. Uh, don't use anything like that. And ask like really basic questions, right? Do some dumbass things. Like if five people limp, uh, let's, say, uh, let's say like five people limp, on the button, just two X it and look like dead serious, right? And like two X it and look like you think like you're doing something. Everybody will think you're a complete dumbass, right? Ask like really basic questions. Say you're going to like uh, triple barrel, right? Say you're going to like triple barrel, right? And go like on the river, like he did this thing where he was like, ah, oh, geez, God, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to do. All right, I'm all in, right? Now, if you see like a trust fund baby do that, you're like, the guy like snap folded top hair and showed him, right? Because he just assumed this was, you know, like Tweedledee uh, try, trying to pull his first bluff, right? Well, anyway, six hours later, uh, oh, yeah, never shuffle your chips. Uh, keep, your, keep your chips in like perfect formations. Or if you knew like one chip trick that's like dead simple and look really intense while you do it, that's really good, right? And then... Anyway, six, seven hours later, some guy was like, he got pissed off. He was like, he acted like it was against the rules what we did, right? Uh, and then uh, he, he was like, I do not believe you do not play poker for a living, right? And then he was all, he was all pissed off about it. It was like, the rule book doesn't say he's got to announce that when he comes there, right? He can let you all figure it out on your damn self, on your own time, right? And then uh, anyway, it, that ended up uh, pulling a bunch of chips. Because also people don't, like, get mad at you. They think, like, you really have something, right? And you can say, like, dumb things, like, if you're re-raising a guy kind of as a semi-bluff, be like, let's make it more interesting. They think it's just some dumbass trust fund baby, right? Like, trying to make a little more money, right? And then uh, uh, with his big hand. But it's like, you know, you look like me and you three-bet, right? You look like I can't really hide who I am at the table, right? Uh, not because people know me, but just because, I don't know, it just, I've tried to, like, hide who I am and try to keep, like, an image, and it just kind of, somebody goes, oh, I love your training videos, Alex, and it's like, well, thank you, right, <laughs> you know what I mean, which, by the way, is a good move, you should announce to the table I do training videos, because then it's unlikely I'm going to get a bunch of chips and start bullying you, right, but, like, uh, you got to think of the game behind the game, and I, you're probably being too tight. So I, I'd really recommend uh, you can write me at alex at pokeredrush.com and uh, I'll send to you like the preview art, like the strategy articles. They're not really preview articles. They kind of preview the webinars, but they have a ton of information, right? And uh, it, it's all about how you should be calling out of the big blind more, 
Uh, you should be check raising more. You should be dog betting more. You should be three betting more. Uh, I think you got to get into that a little bit more live uh, because people, they're not going to fold to like just your three bet. They're not going to fold to just your open, but like they will fold to the moves uh, that I described there. Yeah. And what's interesting is like we, we speak about it and it's very online. It's very much mathematical, statistical game now, you know? Yeah. But, People like laugh at the old films of like poker, them trying to be, you know, do you have it, son, and all this stuff and whatever. But live, yeah, live, humans are still humans, and it's amazing like the information you can pick up and the edge. Like if you sit and someone says, "What do you do?" and you go, "I'm a construction worker." Yeah, they're they're going to play different against you. They believe you're a construction worker rather than if you go, "I'm in computing" or "I do web design" or something. They're going to think, uh, well, I would. You know, I would think, right, this guy. Because people stereotype, and, and we've spoken about it before, they stereotype for a reason. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a lost art, especially with a lot a of lost young guys. Art. Like, you know, they, they sit with their headphones on and just stare in the space. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah I, I know what you hell. do. You know, I know what you do. Well, yeah, well and like, then you got to pick a profession nobody knows anything about, by the way. Like, I... Uh, like, like, and it, it's got to look appropriate for your age. So, like, if you're a younger guy, you can say, like, I write ad copy. Uh, I write instruction manuals. You know, I do a lot of freelance work. It's the most boring job in the world. Nobody's going to ask you <laughs> anything about it, right? If you're a little lo- older, you can say, like, I, I transcribe, like, prescription labels uh, to other languages, right? Especially if you're, like, you, you look like you're not from the United States, like, growing up, right? Say, like, I, I transcribe, like, prescription labels, like, for pharmacies to make sure, you know, like, kids don't overdose or something like that. Like, that sounds interesting, but who the hell has a follow-up question for that, right? Yeah. You know, how'd you get into that? Oh, my dad was into it. Like, that, you're done, right? That's it. Like, that. But, like, don't pick something like construction and then, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, man, I... I <laughs> Uh, I, was having, I was having this problem with the Lyman dykes on the line the other day. Like, what, what do you do with that, right? And uh, it's like, uh, 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 now you're found out, right? Yeah, I, I meant Lego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, fun, the funniest thing to me is like when people, uh, like when I tell people I'm a fisherman, I, I was a fisherman, they're like, uh, you know, like they don't believe me. I'm like, I can shout a bunch of words at you, but like I could just be easily making them up too, by the way, right? It's not like any of you all have gone fishing, right? By the way, there's not as many... Like, <laughs> when you sit there and just get crap out of a net, it's not like you really know how to learn run the ship, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, yeah, what, do you, what kind of fuel do you do? I don't know. That was my skipper's job. That's why I don't make $200,000 in a season. I made 7000 you know? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But, yeah, anyway. Uh, I got- okay, well, we better wrap up for this one because myself and Alex are going to do another podcast straight after this after a five-minute break for Alex to do his meditation and get another coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Alex, how can people get in touch with you and find out about your webinars and uh, all the other products and services you offer? Uh, you guys can just write me at alex at com. If you guys want to check out the website, the website's a good time. I just put out a new article. You can kind of see uh, a lot of people like the blogs. I mean, a lot of people like just... You know, like I take notes of what I'm doing each day and just kind of like some observations about what's going on. A lot of people like that. I think it's kind of like because I always loved like the old like uh, like uh, 
you read about the presidents in the United States, like they were so much more educated than the dumbasses we have now, right? And they were just they would keep notes like every day and like kind of keep their uh, observations about what was going on. I was like, man, that's cool. Why don't people do that more often? And sure enough, like people really like that. So go ahead and check out uh, pokeredrush.com. We have all the trip reports, the blogs, the battle rap videos, all that good stuff. And uh, strategy articles, a lot of strategy articles. There's a sample test for test your poker on pokeredrush.com. Uh, yeah, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel at uh, Assassinato Coaching, and uh, follow me on Twitter, at The Assassinato. If you guys want a ton of free stuff, free articles, free uh, free videos and stuff, you can just go down the line. Uh, you can just go down the line of that Twitter timeline. And uh, if you want to uh, if you want to get onto my newsletter, you can sign up on PokerHeadRush.com. And, like, every Thursday you'll get uh, emails uh, just with like free strategy articles. Uh, the one I'm sending today, Barry, is going to have four strategy articles, maybe five attached wow. to it. So yeah, that's a, as you can imagine, that's a bit of a commitment, but like, I like, I, I try to give you guys so much free stuff that when I do finally send like a webinar advertisement, you go like, ah, he's earned it. You know what I mean? I'll take, I'll take the point two seconds it takes to hit ignore right now you know what i mean i'll put i'll put this in the trash like it's okay uh, but like yeah anyway uh anyways guys check all that stuff out and thank you for listening to the podcast yeah and until the next episode keep your questions coming in for alex questions at com on email and we will get them read out and until next time cheers cheers Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.